Hi, this is Better Red Than Dead, a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. Today, we are finishing up Moby Dick, Herman Melville's 1851 novel or um, something about a big-ass whale and some butts and the nation and epistemology, philosophy, and also everything. Uh, So anything that we rediscovered during this rereading, Katie? I rediscovered myself in in this reading. (laughs) The main thing that I discovered is that um, I simply refuse to follow directions. It's not that I can't do it. It's that I won't. Um, (laughs) And and I also discovered that – that I wound up with a lot of rejected jokes uh, from the summary at the, at the end of the writing. Um, so you might think like that, that means that they're bad and that I shouldn't say them. On <laughs> yet. And yet, and yet I shall. Uh, and here are anywhere between seven and nine of those. Uh, the numbering system got a little wonky toward the middle, but we won't go into it. I'm not a numbers gal. Okay. So here, so here are the rejected jokes. Number one. Things continue to be whack as hell on the Pequod. Ahab is like, I got to get this white whale. He's kind of my white whale. <laughs> Literally and metaphorically. It's sort of like the guy in the Netflix series, You, but instead of a blonde poet, he's obsessed with a whale. They're both white is the connection. <laughs> but I'm okay. Now, I mean, even I haven't seen that show, so the odds of Tristan having even heard of it are slim to none. I I yeah. <laughs> I know what it is. He knows stuff. <laughs> we, 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 we know things. Uh okay, number two. Eating legs, eating arms. Had this book gone on any longer, Moby Dick eventually would have been eating ass. Millennial. <laughs> number three whales are positively horned up and there are two kinds of fish in the world fellas there's fast fish and there's loose fish and understanding between the two lets you know which one you're allowed to fuck just kidding it tells you which one the the belongs to what boat Um, okay uh at one point they pass a ship called the bachelor and it's like do you accept this rose just kidding it's filled with sperm whale oil the main man sploosh wait so what happens when they pass the ship called the rachel who is a recent bachelorette it's also sploosh yep good point okay yep (laughs) okay number five ahab is like i keep dreaming about a hearse and he talks to this dude about it and he's like a horse no problem that would make any sense uh, here's the next one. Ahab breaks his navigation doodad because he gets pissed at the sun mm-hmm. because it shines on Moby Dick. Mm-hmm. What is the sun supposed to do in that situation? Makes no sense. Look out, Moon, your next pal. You motherfucker made of cheese. Stanley Kubrick staged the moon landing, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> good thing, good thing, good thing Buzz Aldrin's not around here. He'd try to punch one of us. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's here's another. Uh, we're getting to the end, I promise. Uh, at one point, they see what they think is whale. Turns out to be a huge fucking squid. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Queequeg is like, you dumbasses. Why do you think that movie was called The Squid and the Whale? <laughs> they go together. <laughs> oh, God. 
Here is mercifully the final one. It's a little too long, but that's how it goes. <sighs> they do some nighttime whale chases where they just text a whale, you up, and it doesn't <laughs> respond. AKA, they don't get to stick their harpoons in it. They run into another ship called the Town Ho. It was supposed to be named the Town Bicycle, but the guy who painted the name on the ship forgot how the joke goes. <laughs> and that's it. Oh yeah. Um so beautiful. Important uh, important question here uh that I was wondering the whole book. New, we we established that a whale is a fish last episode, right? Yeah, like yeah, Herman yeah. Melville tells us this. Correct. Do we think that whale oil reeks of fish carcasses or that, you know, because they're actually mammals, it just, it smells like lard or I, I, everything that comes from the sea has a very pungent, uh, Megan, I, I know you refer to it as Neptune's butthole, like when people <laughs> microwave fish yeah. in our office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, do we think that that's just what like light smelled like in the 19th century? I think it smelled like the taste that you have when you take fish oil capsules and burp. <laughs> Yeah, the repeat of fish oil capsules. I think that's what it smells like. Um, But I think one thing that I noticed this time that uh, maybe I just hadn't been that focused on the last few times I read this, um, which seems a little weird given that it's about whaling after all, which which is bad. I do want to go on the the record and say that industrial scale hunting of whales is bad. Um, uh, Is it? I kind of think Melville's actually offering an account of humans' effect on the planet. and it's not quite the Anthropocene, of course, which isn't a concept that would exist for you know a, a more than a century, uh, maybe even a little more. Um, but it's also not an idea of like God will always provide, or that you know humans are so puny or have no effect on their environment at all. Um, so there's this chapter uh, called the Grand Armada, which I think is chapter 87. Um, Ishmael talks about how sperm whales now move in these giant pods, which. Uh, they apparently didn't used to. Um, and he says this is uh, th- this is owing to the unwearied activity with which of late they have been hunted over all four oceans. Um, so they've kind of banded together for protection. Um, now, this leads him to some wrong conclusions, like in chapter uh, 105, does, does the whale's magnitude diminish? Will he perish? Uh, Ishmael argues that because sperm whales have done this behavioral modification, they're not going to face extinction like the American whales, uh, or like the American bison in the mid-19th uh, century. But he notes specifically, quote, the cause of this wondrous extinction was the spear of man. I'm talking about you know bison being hunted to extinction. So no, Moby Dick isn't doing Greenpeace, uh, but I actually thought this was pretty compelling thinking through the relationship between humans and the environment. And I think because individuals uh, can feel so powerless in this novel that maybe, um, you know, we we conflate the individual with the human. And I'm not sure that the novel actually wants us to do that. That's very smart. I don't, I wish I had smart things to say about this book. (laughs) Okay. So, um, because I, I have a mushy brain, I noticed dumb things, but uh honestly like i feel like i grasped the absolute like enormity of the labor industry and whales and like maybe this giant book this time like i went into the galaxy brain and i was like i see how big this is maybe maybe i see see everything Uh, (laughs) and i haven't used weed in probably 18 months so i don't think it's that uh but it's like in general it's hard to have a sense of scale with this book i think 
And again, I feel like it's a little dopey, but the vastness of the labor seems like something I just was better able to get a handle on this time. Um, And not unrelated, this is a book like, we've talked about these books all the time, like with uh, Dracula and with the fall of the house of usher but like this book is obsessed with the fucking the corpse like the rotting physical mm-hmm. corpse but also like the corpse as a sort of formal object and i mean like whale corpses human corpses like anticipating the human corpse when queequeg is like i'm gonna build myself a box and put my body in it uh so there's this moment in chapter 69 when uh, Ishmael narrating says like desecrated as the body is a vengeful ghost survives and hovers over it to scare espied by some timid man of war or blundering discovery vessel from afar when the distance obscuring the swarming fowls nevertheless still shows the white mass floating in the sun and the white spray heaving high against it straight away the whales unharming corpse with trembling fingers is set down in the log shoals rocks and breakers hereabouts beware. So, and I feel like the whale corpses are central, narratively speaking. Uh, And I know that, like, that's a pretty gothy direction for me. (laughs) Uh, But, like, (laughs) I, I mean, I think I was, like, aware of big, gross, floating, rotting bodies before. But I wasn't aware that Melville was so thematically obsessed with them this is yeah i mean death is kind of omnipresent in in this uh even from that ridiculous like painting that we talked about last time where the ship is getting like kind of crushed by Smashed. the whale. but like no yeah yeah and and uh and like okay so there's this great chapter which i don't know if we'll have time to talk about it today or not uh we might when we talk about queequeg but like where queequeg goes like all god like he, he gets sick and he goes i'm mean, katie i'm sure will tell us about this but he gets sick and, and then he goes all goth girl and he's like i'm gonna die so he like has the carpenter make him a coffin and then spends like chapters just carving this elaborate decoration on the <laughs> right and so i mean it's like yeah it's like the omnipresence of death and like kind of like morbid but always like because this is melville with this like kind of absurdist humor about it um which like as last time this is why i kind of say stubs i'm just gonna laugh at it it's it's so horrified i'm just gonna laugh at it perspective is like kind of so compelling to me but well and like the coffee queequeg's coffin is like the only surviving object except for ishmael yes and it becomes ishmael's life buoy right so right so the corpse is like again this like it's a form that gets reanimated. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Katie, were you going to say something? I'm sorry. I can't remember what it was. I was thinking about how hungry everything you described made me. <laughs> <laughs> Big rotting bloat. Okay. So today we are talking about the nation and community um, novelistic structure uh, sexuality and whether whales have thoughts or not. Um, Katie, will you give us the summary for this, please? Thank you for asking for the summary of Moby Dick. I would be delighted Good luck. to give you the summary and where we left off. <laughs> we left off with Captain Ahab being like, I need to get Dick down. Who's with me? We're looking for a big, giant white whale. You can't miss him. Have I mentioned he's white? Very white whale. Don't look too much into it, but actually probably look a little bit into it. <laughs> big white D. Maybe even write a whole <laughs> chapter about it. 
you might even do such a thing. Uh, the crew, while while Ahab is doing this, is wasted, and they're all DTF immediately, except for Starbuck, who is actually like, hmm, I'm not loving this idea, not loving the shape of this idea. He represents in uh, Melville symbolic order the 25 Theranos employees that were like, hey, Elizabeth Holmes, I think that what you want to do is both nuts and dangerous. But then she's like, shut the fuck up. I'm the Steve Jobs of this mega fraud blood boat. And what I say goes. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, Henry Kissinger is here. So who are you to fuck with me? (laughs) And and George P. Schultz, right? Oh, that's right. Yep. And Joe Biden. (laughs) And and everyone's grandson. Yep. Yes. Um, but, But Ahab does, he plays it a little different. He's actually just alone in his cabin doing the CEO finger tent and getting very excited that he has friends to go on this epic revenge quest with. So finally, Starbuck is like, okay, Jesus fucking Christ, I guess, fine, we got to do this. And Stubb is like, this is very funny to me, I'm actually laughing. (laughs) Pip is like, this whale seems extremely fucked up. And Ahab does shit like walk around the deck all day like he's on Caroline Calloway levels of Adderall, allegedly, (laughs) looking at maps and charts and jacking off about the whale. Um, brain genius Ishmael is also like sperm whales use ways to navigate the ocean. So if you know the algorithm, you can find them. Also, you can harpoon a whale 10 bazillion times and then have it come back. You can have to harpoon it again because all whales are Rasputin. That's another thing we all learned. (laughs) There is then, you'll be unsurprised to know, a lot more weird ocean-y shit that happens, which I can't get into all of because who has the time? Just imagine that you're like as high as you've ever been in your <laughs> life and chasing a whale. Okay. Um, in fact, there's a whole chapter of Weed Thoughts, as, as you two mentioned, about how white the whale is. Mm-hmm. There's some more these sort of THC-induced opinions – on whales and other matters from Ishmael, such as number one, Jonah thing is suspicious, may not be legit. Number two, okay. whale tails are neat. Number three, mixed reviews on the stuff that comes out of their blowholes. Number four, Ishmael would get top from a sperm whale, but not a right whale. Yep. Backstory is that they have both types of whale heads stuck on either side of the ship, like they're doing Mad Max at sea. And Ishmael can't resist dabbling in this vaguely horny phrenology project. <laughs> um, relatedly, Ahab also is absolutely fucking blazed because he <laughs> looks at a dead whale and thinks, damn, I wonder what it would say if it could talk. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and haven't we all part- had exactly that thought? <laughs> yeah. 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 Anything, any inanimate, uh, any, any, any animal, any whale, any inanimate object, I think, what would it yeah. say? I mean, particularly when high, as Katie yeah. said, like that's a, it's a very legible high thought. <laughs> it's, it's relatable. It's the only relatable moment we get from Ahab. Um, <laughs> there's another moment where they do the skull and bones, uh, spirit cooking, uh, jack off together shit, which we'll discuss in full later. Mm-hmm. Yep. But but now let's get back to the reason for the season, which is whale chasing. Uh, during one of these excursions, so they're all these little mini boats, these little baby boats um, that they go out and hunt the whales in. And Ishmael's 
a teeny weeny boat gets mowed down at one point by the big boy boat, the Pequod. <laughs> um, he, he's fine. He's fine. Don't worry. And everyone's like, don't be such a fucking pussy, bro. Uh, it happens all the time. But Ishmael is a responsible man, so he logs into LegalZoom.com and makes a little will for himself and has Queequeg be his executor, of course. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't, another, he doesn't oh, really have any – he doesn't like, he doesn't own anything. Like that's – being a like world-traveling, like hippie, uh, itinerant is not is, – that's kind of his thing, right? So – but anyway. <laughs> but, you know, you got you to gotta make sure the the – T's are crossed and the <laughs> the whales are white, you know? Yeah. Um, he has to make sure his wife has his stuff. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes. <laughs> Valid concern. Valid concern. Uh, at one point during one of these games of Wales Waldo, <laughs> um, Pip. <laughs> Quality material today. <laughs> Isolation has made us all smarter. <laughs> it has indeed. Um, <laughs> at one point during one of these, one of, I'm not going to repeat that because who needs it? Uh, Pip, who's like not really too big on going out to sea, jumps on Stubbs' boat and it winds up freaking his shit so bad that he jumps into the ocean. And unfortunately, they kind of leave him there a little too long and they do eventually pull him out, but He's not quite the same in terms of the psychology element. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he does silver lining, not silver lining. He becomes best friends with Ahab. Uh, but it's not really in a wholesome way. Um, Ahab also meets another captain who got his arm eaten by Moby Dick. And he, he says that they should not be mad at the whale. They should not be mad at him. Um, his name is Captain Boomer. So Ahab says, okay, Boomer, and gets back on the Pequod. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure uh, even my mom is listening anymore. Yeah, <laughs> Who invited me on this podcast? <laughs> um, there's also this oil leak that happens at some point. Well, some point during the second half because they have a metric butt ton, which is Meg's preferred form of measurement um, <laughs> of, of oil on the ship. And, uh, and Venti Starbucks is like, I may, I may be a mermaid with two tails and titties, but even I know we should probably find out where that leak is coming from and just plug her on up. So Ahab very reasonably says, that's an excellent point, Starbuck. I love to talk about things and address concerns <laughs> that are not about Moby Dick and how to kill him. I have a highly reasonable intention on this boat. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, just kidding. Ahab actually pulls out a gun. Um, but before he can go pew pew, Starbuck is like, Ahab, actually, you may have a gun, but I feel sorry for you. So just watch your ass, buddy. <laughs> Okay, cue the 70s porn music, coffin building interlude. Uh, Queequeg sadly gets a fever, and he's like, the only prescription is more cowbell. No, it's not. It's it's a coffin. Um, and then he's like, never mind. I have some real high-priority items on my to-do list. I am alive again. But he keeps building the coffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yada, yada. They chase a bunch of whales, and they kill a bunch of whales. Um, I'm just pausing in case you 
from listening to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, this, this you guys have further feelings on killing yeah. a bunch of whales. Yeah, this yeah. Is, they, they sure do. Yep, <laughs> they, they do it. Then there's a typhoon, and the Pequod gets all fucked up by lightning fire, and the crew is like, "Listen, it's been an honor and a privilege serving with you on this um, on this monomaniacal vision quest, but perhaps it is time to pack it in." Good sir. But Ahab comes at them with some logic that you cannot refute, <laughs> which is actually if there's a big, huge storm and it sets the boat on fire, that is a good sign. Mm-hmm. But Starbuck, yeah. Starbuck is like, Ahab, are you new here, my good sir? We are in a <clears throat> novel by Herman Melville. Perhaps <laughs> I should be the one to shoot you. Yep. Yes, and and I would just, if I could interject here with some boat knowledge, uh, the phenomenon <laughs> described is called St. Elmo's Fire. Uh, it is when the mass of the ship produce a sort of electrical storm within electrical oh, storm. Oh, why? And it's also, hold this? on, I'm getting to something that you guys might like. Uh, that is the name of a very famous Brad Pack 80s movie about Georgetown University called St. Elmo's Fire uh, with the oh. classic hip pop song, uh, Man in Motion. So yeah, oh. maybe maybe we'll splice that in for you guys. <laughs> Uh, do, does it have Rob Lowe's naked ass in it? Because maybe I would watch it then. I'm sure it must. I mean, it's a film from the eighty eight, and uh, I think Emilio <laughs> Estevez. Pack, you know, yeah, Emilio Estevez is in it, and also uh, Demi Moore. And uh, yeah, yeah, cool. I want to see their butts. <laughs> um, their butts well, mean Megan, nothing to me. I know that I know that we're not sponsored, um, but you you can you can go on Google.com. I could go on Google.com right now and see as many butts as I wanted. <laughs> I I feel like there's a selection bias that is going to uh trouble that or a selection non-bias, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> just 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 butts. Um un- unsorted. <laughs> this is my only search term, butts. No clarity. Uh, oh anyway back to the boat i get all these butts back to the boat um <laughs> there are butts on the boat it's herman there, melville there are, there are always butts, butts in melville yeah. yep there are yes there are always there are always butts in melville and sometimes they're metaphorical and sometimes they're literal um <laughs> metaphorical butt ahab <laughs> then so so at this at this at this juncture he starts to get real open about his his life and feelings to starbuck and we find out that he's married and he's only seen his human wife two times because even though he's married to that lady he's even more married to his bonkers revenge quest <laughs> and he continues yammering to starbuck after that uh and starbuck dips halfway through the story which <laughs> even though he can be really lame this is like a real it, a real big dick move that i respect yeah he, <laughs> he, he definitely does like cool story bro ahab there yeah <laughs> it is it's Gotta one go. of the <laughs> it's one of his finer moments yeah. okay so we're gonna fast forward we're gonna really be disciplined here, people. We're like we're hunting for a white whale. Fast forward past a rotten log and some other shit. And then we get to the final boss battle against Moby Dick, 
Ahab says, Dick ho! And they put the boats in the water. And Moby Dick is like, nom nom nom, what a delicious spread. And he bites <laughs> Ahab's boat in half. But he also gets the absolute shit harpooned out of him. Mm-hmm. Ahab does some accidental breath play with a harpoon rope that gets wrapped around his neck. Mm-hmm. And it's no safe word. Very bad idea. Yeah. Finally, Ahab kills Moby Dick in one of the greatest and most opaque scenes in American literature. A man who could not shut the fuck up for an entire novel says nothing at his death. (laughs) Uh, Hey, weren't of you wondering where Ishmael went? For like the last 200 pages. Yeah, actually. Where the fuck are you, bro? Well, well, I, 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 I wasn't wondering, but he does pop back up. Um, Everything is fucked just beyond repair when we, when we finally claw our way back to Ishmael. The Pequod, sunk. Little boats, sunk. Whole crew, dead. Ishmael says, RIP to you guys, but I am different. Because he's miraculously saved by Queequeg's coffin, which rockets out no shit, of a swirling ocean vortex that everything is getting sucked into, like the end of Titanic. And he hangs on until another ship, the Rachel, women have to solve everything, scoops him up. And then he maybe writes Moby Dick or something. We don't really know. The fucking end. Yeah. The weirdest and best book in American literary history. Yeah, uh, it... it- in, indeed it is uh and no that that was a that that was a great summary uh i mean that was that was way more condensed than i i could have even tried to make it oh yeah uh, but that was but, remarkably uh crisp for moby dick <laughs> yeah but but like okay so i just wanted to say for that very end like because i like you know i made the point like last episode and, and i think we were all kind of in agreement about like how deeply comic and tragic like this book is all at the same time that this that last okay so like the the, the harpeneers are all standing at the mastheads as the pequod sinks and they don't move i mean there's almost this cartoonish quality to it right so it's like we get a skyhawk that tauntingly had followed the main truck downwards from its natural home among the stars pecking at the flag and incommoding attach tego there this bird now chants to intercept its broad fluttering wing between the hammer and the wood that like because i think attach tego is like kind of hammering on like the top of the mast at this point right um, and, and simultaneously feeling that ethereal thrill, the submerged savage beneath in his death grasp kept his hammer frozen there so that the bird of heaven with our uh, archangelic shrieks and his imperial peak thrust upwards and the whole captive form folded in the flag of Ahab went down with his ship. Right, and it's, so, right. It's like, okay. So like, I mean, yes, it's tragic and it's like kind of awe inspiring and sublime in the, the kind of like literary sense, but also they're just like the ship. They're, they're not making any effort to swim away from the ship. No. <laughs> to, like hashtag goes still like just doing like, so and like, so I mean, it's like, it is tragic, right? Like it's also like funny too. Right. Or am I just like a sick weirdo for thinking that the home Depot element of the ending <laughs> with the is, is really quite like you, we, we, I, I don't. Yes, it it is. It's, it's funny. There's, it has, it's, well, it's just like his actions don't seem to really register right. the like horror of what's happening. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I'd say it's like almost cartoonish in some way. Um, and, and I think as always with Melville, it is, it's about like the proximity of the tragic and the comic, if, if that makes sense. It's also just weird. It's this thing, Katie, that you've talked about with Moby Dick before, where it's like, under no circumstances is any of these characters expected to act like people act. 
no. Right? So it's like the logic that we would apply to a different sort of novel, we would just go like, wait, what the fuck? So we're always like aware that we're both in a novel and a novel that like doesn't give a flying fuck about that like – I don't know. I don't mean tradition, but like the the the, the idea that we should be in a novel. Mm-hmm. It yes, and I do. I do think that it goes back to the the like. Okay, so he's like, do you think it would make Nathaniel Hawthorne like me more if the ship sank <laughs> and nobody moved? Do you think he would think that was funny? He would. Do you think he would like that? Yeah. Um. So, Katie, uh, tell us what. Need, we need to know with context or with um, conversation. Yeah. So um, part of this will tie back into just how weird this book is. Uh, and we've talked a little bit in the previous episode about like, is this an is this a novel? What is it? Um, and there's a piece of criticism by Myra Jalen uh, in readings of, at the edge of literature. Um, it's a it's called the novel in the middle class and um it addresses the the part of the weirdness of and and like uneasiness about uh what this novel's doing a lot of the time and she partially starts that with the question uh about why is it that all of these authors that we think of as the great american novelists um why is it that their works don't really fit into that category that well? Why is it that American works in the 19th century, which is like this, uh, it, you know, has been called like the American Renaissance. Um, all of these books are filled with what she says, uh, what she describes as romances, extravagant individuals. Okay, so so conventional wisdom about both these genres in the 19th century went a little something like this. Uh, Realism is about accepting the material universe and social conditions. Mm -hmm. And 19th century romance is all about metaphysical rebellion. Mm. Um, So partially Rebellion from like a previous version of metaphysics? I feel like that phrase is – I don't know what that means. As in not rebellion against – material thing Mm -hmm. but like ahab is rebelling against the idea of fate Mm -hmm. um and and stuff like that like you are in revolt against an idea and your mission is all based on an idea okay it's dedicated to abstraction (laughs) yes it's dedicated to abstraction yes um and so so partially what's going on is that um ahab is is locating this vision of of freedom and he wants to self-actualize kind of <laughs> by killing a whale and it's not it's not just that it's an unattainable goal it's that it's it's inconceivable it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't quite fit in anywhere so he doesn't he's not part of nantucket society he's not really a part of the society of the pequod even though he controls it and the other option is the sea. So what do we do? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have one of the most depressing and true sentences in literary criticism uh, from Meyer Jalen, which is America was conceived not so much in liberty as liberalism. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the problem for Ahab. <laughs> like that's why he doesn't fit. Yeah. Isn't that the problem um, for all of us? Yeah. And also as, <laughs> as someone, as someone who's, you know, like it, a lot of my ratings been in the British context. It's like that, that's fucking, that's like, that's modernity at least in the kind of like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, yes. And also the modern British state is founded in, 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 in liberalism and that's why everything is so fucked up. Um, but you know what? Like, so actually, um, some, this is a really interesting article argument um and i would say that like one thing i'm thinking about like from like okay so the you know the the like the the novel as this sort of like bourgeois form as it as it you know develops in like 18th century britain it's kind of like a society that is like felt or perceived as being stable in some way and i think that's maybe why the kind of like individual admits that gets fronted i mean the idea of like romance too like one thing i mean so like a lot of interesting ontological questions that you raise there but also just like the idea and and this does get to something out of the you know that we've talked about like with rob roy like you know the 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 production of the united kingdom out of like you know scotland ireland and all that and how the national tale is so close to like the 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 romance historically um that has like real overlaps i think with like the american state coming into being and not quite knowing what it is not even knowing what its geographical boundaries are going to be um but but so in one sense like the romance then is like is like superseding what we would think of as the quotidian the everyday that the novel deals Mm -hmm. deals with these like much bigger kind of questions of what society is even going to look like but like what I think is cool about that though is like the, the rebelliousness and the kind of revolutionary impulse that is also part of that. So like in one sense, it's like trying to produce the American state, but in another sense, it's like it's like opening this way of questioning what that would even be, and maybe like pushing against some of the some of the strains that are that are already emerging within that. Yeah, it's like it's like what do you do? Yeah, so like the 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 rebellion point is like, what do you do when you have made the rebel, your dad, like mm-hmm. the founding father shit. Right. Um, or yeah, or at least which, the idea that they're like rebels rather than just fucking bougie aristocrat slave owners. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I, was not, I was not suggesting. No, no, no. I, I know you weren't. I just want to be very clear. Like the myth of the American quote founding fathers is, you know, bullshit and very different from the reality, but Yes, the 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 metaphor is important, even though it's not a real fucking thing, right? Um, especially in this in this uh, argument, because basically what it is is like, oh, okay, so we have this thing, um, we have this home for for people who can who can go and and pull themselves up by their bootstraps and and become uh, a a bunch of middle class, uh, cool cool people um and that this is somehow this somehow with the father thing gets coded as natural so it's like america is imagined as this society that is is so well organized and suited to to meet the basic needs of um of men and and anything that, and i say men and i mean it um yeah. yeah that with with minor adjustments it could actually accommodate and contain all possibilities so it's like you can make any surface adjustment you want but what that means is that you you'll never need any basic adjustments mm, right so, interesting yeah and so that that kind of faith in like it, it's all this lib shit like faith in progressive history, um, all progress leads to America under this idea. Mm. And so so <clears throat> this that gets the weird part about the American romance, which 
is the weird part about Moby Dick. Um, so order and authority are so pervasive that they seem inescapable. Yeah. But also we have this thing where we're like sort of tilting at windmills at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And we're not ever, nor does it seem to be possible to be to be outside of it. But the position of the reader allows us to see something like the containment of it, I guess. Yeah, I think that's right. Yes, yes, totally. Because... We um, see that it we see that it is a thing or a structure without taking it simply as natural. Yes, and that's where the that's where the tragedy part comes in, I think. Like that's the question about it. Mm-hmm. Um because it's like okay, so if if we really had what we what we say we have, then everybody would fit. Um mm-hmm. like you could have these you could have a bunch of uh self-made self-regulating people who can make their own future. But, you know, uh, I regret to inform you that we we live in a society and so do <laughs> right. they. Right. Um and and that didn't and that didn't work out. And that was exactly what Ahab's problem was was that it, at at once he's like supposed to be this heroic rebel, but he's also like this lame dick authority figure who gets everybody killed. So he's like you're totally obligated to him, but he's supposed to be like this liberated figure and there's a, a entire it's entirely intention well and, and also to like so it this actually like helps to explain to me why whaling is the focus of this right because like if you think about what that industry what that that fishery was it was like i mean it, it is it's like almost inconceivable right like and it's in like in america it's run out of like fucking nantucket which at this point is not a billionaire <laughs> community it's like it's it's, it's this like tiny a nothing right it's like t- 10 people yeah it's this tiny community of people who are all named like macy and coffin right <laughs> like and, then, <laughs> and, and, and yet from this tiny island and new better you know there are a couple other centers but basically that's where it is they sail all the way to the other side of the fucking planet like long before the panama canal or any kind of communications you know, uh, networks, they're at sea for three fucking years, right? Like doing the, and and like, but then they come back like with all the, you know, the, uh, resources of industry, right. To like kind of light the world. Like, but so on the one hand, it's like there, it's like almost impossible in a modern context to imagine being that separated and that alone, uh, and that like not part of a society, and yet you are part of a society like the ship mm-hmm. is this like space of, of authority and this American capital going out into the kind of far reaches of the Pacific. And yet like what the not this novel or this romance or whatever the fuck you want to think of this is shows us is the precarity of that. Right. Like it's so it's like how how like close it is perpetually to collapse and to chaos. But while also symbolizing this or this like deep desire for like order or like some narrative about like the American nation and capital and everything else. Yeah, it's it's entirely it's the whole thing is a giant giant weird irony, you know, like yeah. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. this this thing that's supposed to be um you know it comes out of this tiny place, it's giant um it, it, like all of the freedom is restriction. We have like buttloads of authority, um, but it doesn't mean anything or doing anything, and it doesn't provide us with like a, the safety net of dad will look out for us, right. <laughs> Yes, and we have all of these. We have all of these relationships, but it's really it's it's n- never entirely clear what the social is or means. And so, um, so that's where we, the boringest man, 
um, Ishmael actually is helpful here in kind of framing Melville's idea about what, what society is doing, mm-hmm. which is that according to Jalen is that if you exercise freedom and you really experience it, that it's sort of sinful and you might die. Like if you're <laughs> as obsessed with Calvinism as, as uh, Melville and Hawthorne were, um, that's kind of what, that's what that's what freedom means to them. Um, <laughs> so, but Melville isn't saying that there's no point to anything. He's not saying like burn it all down. What he's saying is that like you can still have integrity and independence, and you can make it out of this thing alive. I mean, you may mm-hmm. be floating on a coffin, but you'll make it. Um, and and. Ishmael makes that super clear. So he is always talking about how, like, what a what a good, decent, friendly dude he is. Like, he says he's companionable. And he survives because he gets wifed up. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so what Jalen, what Jalen says about this is that by remaining on congenial terms with New England society, he is afforded this option to drop in and drop out. And so Moby Dick, as a novel then – offers a picture of peace attainable by anyone who can acknowledge the lore of total freedom, but recall the moral state requiring him to be social. So So is everybody else only part of the society that is the ship? Like nobody else has a, has a um, connection to Nantucket. Oh wait. So, so in terms of um, the question is like, why Ishmael and nobody else? Like, I get why Ahab. Like, I get why everybody, but like, why not Tashtigo? You know what I'm saying? Like, why? What is his specialness? I mean, I can see it as like that because he's the narrator. Duh, shut up. Or like because he's in this sense contentless. But I guess I don't understand. Well, because he so he came from Manhattan. So okay, right. So that's the thing about Ishmael is that like he, it's important that he can seamlessly, he can be unnoticed, dropping in and out of New England society at the time. Right. Okay. And and, and, and that and I and, and I think that 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 those regional differences signify a bit more at this point than than you know than than they might you know we kind of like well yeah like because you travel like a hundred and fifty miles on the on Abtrack right but like <laughs> but 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 actually and and particularly with like with Nantucket being this kind of weirdo community of Quaker whalers like that's not that's not like Manhattan right <laughs> like that's not right. whatever the fuck. But but yeah no but like I, like Megan like your question is really interesting too like because yeah like I I mean one thing that like it, well, like one really remarkable or like notable aspect of the ship is that it really does resist like any kind of conflation of like America with like whiteness right like I mean they're the 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 crew is so like um uh, yeah I mean they're from all over the world right I mean like Tashtego is, is is you know a native to new a native from New England and mm-hmm. then you know Queequeg's from the South Seas and Dagu is 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 African Pip is is uh is is from is is a black boy from the the South um and, and like actually I, I mean honestly I mean like the officers of the crew are 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 white, at least at the mate level are white the harpooners are there are are kind of another layer of officers and they they are not white but the crew itself is like very uh, very um uh they're they're from a lot of different places of the world right i mean so there's this mm-hmm. idea i mean it's it is this community 
that is like kind of heterotopic. Uh, I mean, in some ways it's described as quite racist by modern terms. Absolutely. But I think there is a real sort of like uh, desire for that kind of society that is that is very ex- expansive, but is also like contained within this this space of suspension or the space of alterity in some way. Yeah, no, I think I think that's interesting from from both the points that you're making. So like the ship, I guess the ship as a society I th- or as a s- social space um, is the functions outside of of you know, it's, it's off the land. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's contained and it's also, it's very convenient that you can obliterate it with one whale. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 It doesn't endure. I mean, and I don't know, like Katie probably have a thought about this, but like, cause this is Melville. I just, you know, it's not, it's important to me that like, it's not lawless, right? It's not as though there's no law. It's just that, uh, it's that the this the concept of law is uh, tension. Yes, right. So it's always getting pushed and pulled in different directions, and part of that is it's being racialized in the sense that like we're not actually like people are not other people's property here. They're not. It's not the same as like a colonial um, enterprise. It's just different than that. Like they have those laws that dictate subjectivity are pushed and pulled right yes and and ahab in fact like would have no more interest in in um in like in having in having slaves than he does in having like in having anything else except for uh, his revenge quest. Like, oh, right. He doesn't, he doesn't give a shit about property or money or any of those things. He's like explicitly doesn't care about money. Yep. And so he doesn't – so he doesn't want to be – like that's not where – that's not what he wants his authority to be over. He doesn't want his authority to be over the people, which is sort of why – I mean, he wants his authority to be over the quest. Right. And right. however the people fit into the quest, he sort of doesn't give a fuck. And wh- whatever they do, uh, while we're not hunting the whales, um, who, as long as it doesn't prevent him from getting fucking Moby Dick, he doesn't care. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that's part of the thing too, right? Like Ahab is he's le- he's the captain. He's leading. He's leading the charge. But he also is having a moment with his. He's having uh he's doing imposter syndrome. He's he's conflicted about his ambition. But the thing is like so it the best thing to do when you're reading or the most fun thing I think to do when you're reading Moby Dick is to focus on how obsessed Ahab is with right. the whale. Yeah. But but Jalen's point is actually a good one. All her points are good ones. She's very smart. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh so Focusing on the monomania overlooks its effect. Mm. So, like, the effect is this way overloaded and gratuitous opposition between between self and world. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so, and so she says something very depressing again. Uh, she's talking about Hester Prynne, but it also applies here um, that that the final lesson is that Society can only achieve change in the fullness of time from the body of the old. No one in radical opposition to society can transform it. 
So Boo. here's the here's the nut. Um, I'm I'm about to nut all over you, so get ready. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's Melville, right? So. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's okay. Uh, so this is the crucial point. This anti-historicism and this abstract but super intense personal experience that characterize a 19th century American romance are ideally suited to this specific idea about society so this like this like timeless uh you know uncreated natural version of um this like this nation of men this nation of men you know that's what that's what emerson said um and she says that actually the tension that this created probably is responsible for quote the astonishing power and range of the best American writing, um, but also uh, that 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 tension between imperial arrogance and the terror of blasphemy uh, not infrequently drove American writers mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I mean, as as with all things related to the fucked up history of the United States, yeah, right? Like, true. So. Okay, so I have a question here, and and I think this relates very well to the kind of the other kind of questions of nation and, and community uh, and race and ethnicity. Um, which, but but like, it is the question of like homosociality slash homosexuality slash queerness more generally um, that I do think is like really embedded in how the text wants to think about community or wants to symbolize community. Um, and if I may, uh, I would just point our attention to chapter ninety four. A squeeze of the hand, which is no shit, one of the most mas- masturbatory chapters I think in all of American literature. Like well, when you got literally in this sense, and not in the st- not yes. in the like. Oh, I just want to like see myself have feelings. Well, I will read from it so that we can see what <laughs> you just said. Um, and so basically, here's what ta- it's a short chapter. And so, like the deal with the sperm whale, right? Is like one reason why it's so prized is not only do you get the bo- the oil from its blubber, it also has this giant cavity and its mass of skull that is full of oil this very like kind of clear burning oil called sperm <laughs> um, so so anyway but here's the deal apparently if you let it sit on the deck for a while and the sun it kind of congeals and that's not bad or i mean that's bad rather uh so you you have to like get your hands down in there and squeeze it apart right so we have these descriptions and i, I if, if i could just read a bit as i sat there at my ease this is ishmael talking cross-legged on the deck after the bitter exertion at the windlass under a blue tranquil sky, the ship under indolent sail, and gliding so serenely along, as I bathed my hands among those soft, gentle globules of infiltrated tissues woven almost within the hour, as they richly broke to my fingers and discharged all their opulence, it gets worse, <laughs> like, like fully ripe grapes of their wine, as I snuffed up that uh, uncontaminated aroma, literally and truly like the smell of spring violets, I declare to you that for the time I lived as in a musky meadow, I forgot all about our horrible oath. In that inexpressible sperm, I washed my hands and my heart of it. I almost began to give credit to the old uh, old Paracelsus and so I don't okay uh, uh, superstition <laughs> that sperm is of rare virtue in allaying the heat of anger. While bathing in that bath, I felt divinely free from all ill will or petulance or malice of any sort whatsoever. 
squeeze, squeeze, squeeze all the morning long. I squeeze that sperm till I myself almost melted into it. I squeeze that sperm till a strange sort of insanity came over me. I found myself unwittingly squeezing my co-laborers' hands in it, mistaking their hands for the gentle globules. Such an abounding, affectionate, friendly, loving feeling did this avocation beget that at last I was continually squeezing their hands and looking up into their eyes sentimentally as much as to say, oh, my dear fellow beings, why should we longer cherish any social acerbities or know the slightest ill humor or envy? Come, let us squeeze hands all round. Nay, let us all squeeze ourselves into each other. Let us squeeze ourselves universally into the very milk and sperm of kindness. Oh, man, I need I need a cigarette or something. <laughs> Also, I mean, yeah. fifty-one. Like that, he's right. I mean, it's like this is like this is not metaphor. Like, I mean, this is a no, fucking no. circle jerk. And I'm like, okay, and, and Tristan, thank you for thank you for uh, reading that that delightful passage. I would like to point out the way that it ends is that he has a vision of heaven. Yes, yes, with with rows of angels in paradise. Each with his hands in a jar of spermaceti. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, sorry, I, I edited for like, but but okay. And so like, yeah, it's like, and, and I you know I laugh about it because it's so like, what what is this doing in the middle of this book? But but like, I think it's like, I mean. This is actually like this is quite like a serious theme, I think, for the book, right? Which which is something about like how like it's like sociality that very quickly becomes sexuality that is is not you know not sort of like within a kind of like heteronormative context says it either symbolizes something about community or it it just it does something to produce this kind of community in this space that I just I don't know that I have thoughts beyond that, but I was kind of curious like what you guys thought about how that was functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I mean, it's like it's everybody doing something self uh, self absorbed. I'm really gonna try my best. Uh, <laughs> self involved together, though, right? So it's yeah. like sexual, but it's not fucking, and that's important, mm-hmm. right? So it's like yeah. everybody is alone together to a certain degree in this book. Although, like, what the answer to your first question of like, what's it doing in the middle of this book? It's like, what the fuck anything else doing in yeah, the middle I of know. this book <laughs> i know I, yeah no i i know no i know it yeah i think that's right i mean and it, it it's like it's sort of like it it becomes like a signifier of this of this labor but that is like idealized because it's not it's not the kind of like sort of like oppressive labor of producing for others it's like this mutual activity mm-hmm. um that is the cause of like pleasure here right for it but this this idea that like yes we can be a community that is like involved in this like kind of mutual process that like that is is fulfilling and enriching for all of us kind of equally in some way but then like that is set against this much more kind of oppressive and exploitative and kind of ominous structure of the ship of like the systems that the ship is ultimately embedded in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think so what what this made me think of because usually i'm just loling during this part um but but also it's kind of sweet the way that he talks about um you know the 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 squeezing of of the hands and like what that means and how um, it's a break from the kind of threatening sometimes world of the ship. And also that it's like, so here's, so here's what I'm trying to, here's the nut I'm trying to crack. I'm not going to stop doing the nut stuff. (laughs) Um, So it's like, okay, so it's goofy. It's definitely uh, giving high key circle jerk vibes, Mm -hmm. but it's also like, the only reason why you would um, 
grab somebody's hands in a vat of like sperm, like squishy, splooshy stuff and do like a mock spiritual circle jerk is if you weren't doing an actual circle jerk. Like there'd be no reason. Right. Right. Yeah. So it like points out the absence of the thing that it calls all the attention to. And also it's like the like you can't bust forever, you know? <laughs> right. No, but right. It, right. But it, it, so it's it's like the, the sort of like sexual energy and desire of it is like super apparent. Like as we said, it's not it, – it's like metaphor but not metaphor. It's like very – like, it, it, you know, I mean I, I think that even in 1851, you know, even your most prudish New England reader would be like, huh. <laughs> you know, but, but, it gets, <laughs> yeah. but it, gets like, it gets like sublimated into like this other this other thing. Right. Like, um, or like maybe it exists at both levels. Right. I mean, it is because I don't want like that. That sounds like it's like saying like, oh, like sexual desires, like of this other order that's not as important. And I don't I don't think Melville thinks that. And I certainly don't think that. But that it's like it, it's that plus it's this other thing. Like it, it has it has this 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 other sort of like universe building kind of uh, or, 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 or com- maybe that's too grand, but like community building impulse to it. Yes. Well, and position total. where it is in the book always just also makes me think like there might be moments of connection here, but they're always getting sort of like uh, there's always going to be fissures. You know, like we get to the next chapter of that the one after that, and it's like Swarbuck fighting with Ahab, or like mm-hmm. um, you know, there's always going to be even we get these like lovely moments, but they're they're embedded in conflict. So it's like never going to yeah. be a stability about like it's not. There's never going to be like the complete violent rebellious like um mutiny aboard the ship but nor is there nor they're going to be like you can't nut forever yeah and and it's, yeah and and two two chapters later we have that chapter the tri works which is like very oh yeah, yeah like yeah. impressive and then the, the tri work like so basically the tri works are this furnace that it, were on whale ships where you would you would you would boil you know you'd build a big fire and boil down the blubber into oil so it's like this very kind of industrial thing um and like that chapter is like hellish i mean there's all these like tartarian is a word that's used it's very it's, it's like it's kind of like industry and the in just like black belching smoke sense that like it, that, yeah, it, it's placement just just, you know, just a page later from from this like uh, like, you know, sort of weirdly angelic kind of um, desiring chapter, you know. Right. And you get the like reversal of the biblical imagery where he says like the truest of all men was the man of sorrows and the mm-hmm. truest all books of Solomon's and Ecclesiastes is the fine hammered steel of woe. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. I- I'm not a, I didn't have the time to read this so closely that I would see like every structural parent. You know what I'm saying? Like you just can't do that if you're reading this without reading it 47 times. But yeah. you you're never comfy with the series of social relationships here. No, mm-hmm. you're not. So yeah. who is Ahab to us? I mean, like not the book starts calling me Ishmael, and we're like, you know, we know that he's kind of an empty he has a certain degree of emptiness. So like who, who is Ahab? Why do we keep coming back to this book partly for him? Uh, because Ahab did too much uh, musical theater as a teen and yeah. he loves the, he's a messy bitch who loves the drama. He is a messy <laughs> bitch who loves the drama. How so, did he become captain? I know that that sounds a little bit like, <laughs> like yeah. a, just a rhetorical question, but like usually you read something and you're like, well, I know why this Dodo is there, but like, how the fuck did he like okay never mind it's not a meritocracy social no. orders are, are rando but 
Well, and it's funny that, right, because like the the two, so like in one of the early chapters where Queequeg and Ishmael are about to sign up on this ship, like they meet the two other co-owners uh, or two of the, there's lots of co-owners of this ship, uh, Captain uh, Captain Peleg and Captain uh, Bildad, um, who are like, they, I mean, they, they have this weird like love-hate kind of married relationship <laughs> with each yeah, yeah, other. Yeah. But like Bildad is like, I mean, he is just like a fucking skin flit, right? Like he's like, he's like, like Ishmael wants like the two 250th lay like share of the profits he's like no you should have the 770s <laughs> right like yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah he's very like oh no one's cutting corners here and yet they're like yes our weirdo like reclusive captain who no one's seen like at all and it's just you know like he we're, yeah absolutely captain ahab go for it yet like why like i mean they, right they, a great series of plans were made with ultimate logic <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> exactly that's one thing you can say about when we dick yeah right just just a, a series of logical events <laughs> yes <laughs> just told yes exactly like, that's who why it's always- keeping it a secret from like no guys i want to do this for other reasons that have nothing to do with a revenge i have no i have no other like i don't think he's even capable of lying no. Me revenge? No. Yeah, <laughs> right. never. A, no, it's something else. It's a uh, plumber, whatever we want to be getting. <laughs> uh, the, the whale I'm looking for, you wouldn't know her. She goes to a different school. Um, <laughs> so, so to to, to kind of just circle jerk back to um, an earlier point. Uh, so so the the who the fuck is ahab thing and why the fuck is he the captain so i think that there's something and hear me out here i may be too ahabbed um but but okay so we have these squeeze we have that squeeze the hand chapter and it's like i'm squeezing all the hands whose hand is who it's a real orgy of hands i don't know i don't care i am everyone everyone is me uh squeeze 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 and then we have the the opposite thing sort of ha- or the we have this a uh, similar thing but in a shitty way happening with Ahab at the at the end so like Ahab is uh flipping a nut and and the crew becomes indistinguishable mm-hmm, from one another mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. same in that same way. So there's a moment where like this is th- this is some goofy a- these are goofy ass lines if you think about it. Ahab staggered, his hands smote his forehead. I grow blind. Hands stretch out before me that I may yet grope my way. Is it night? The whale, the ship, cried the cringing oarsman. Like you don't know who the fuck they are, and no. and what they have to say here is the whale, the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, I don't know. Like, actually, that you know, I made the point about like how how in some ways comic the sinking of the ship is, where everyone the, the harpeneers just like remain at their at their mastheads and don't you know don't seem to register that it's sinking. That that is all, like I mean, there's a there's a way in which like okay, we're not doing the comic anymore. We're doing like the really kind of scary and fucked up. It like sort of like um, subjects under the thrall of like a like a despot, right? Just like that they're like you know, it's like you basically ate like the captain, like the tyrant has not released you from this task you were doing, even in the midst. You, you know what I mean? It's it's like that 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 like they're kind of like not registering the horror of the situation is almost like their will has been completely superseded in some ways by the even even because at that point Ahab's dead, right? Like. um 
Yeah, no, that that is a really, really good point. And I'm like trying to think about actually um like what their wills what their wills mean. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like they're not the crew isn't like don't desire, like that, you know, they 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 want money. Sometimes they don't want to do this shit. Sometimes they want to fight. Sometimes yeah. they want to get drunk. You know, they want to mm-hmm. do stuff and they're and they're recognizable but like what is it what does it mean when they're enthralled to ahab and they're not but they're not on his they're on his mission but they don't share but they don't share it they're like jazzed about how much cash they're gonna make right yes although but yeah they're jazzed about how much cash they're gonna make but there are those moments right like when he that uh, that crazy that crazy moment earlier in the novel where he like you know he has the 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 harpooners like drink uh you know drink out of out of their their harpoons it's kind of this weird sort of like blood oath um and and that like that that he there's there is a there is a moment at which like his megalomania does seem to like like yeah they signed up for this voyage for money and you know see the world whatever the hell else but like there are moments when it's like like no, and, and I think that like it, it we pro- it, these are probably the moments where we see the particular subside into this kind of like mass form um, that they that that that's no longer what they are right. It's like it's like that like yeah they're they're doing their thing until the moment when they're doing Ahab's thing and ultimately they're doing Ahab's thing to the point of their own death right. Well, their desire the, all their independent wills are sublimated to this one right. Like yeah. that's his whether it's just by like virtue of tyranny or. Uh, some kind of common agreement or some kind of like agreement to the enterprise of whaling more generally they mm-hmm. are all sort of like come 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 together in this in a way that's like actually super fucked up right so it's not like oh we've come together in some sort of like great way it's just that like they all have a common project even though that project is like crazy and stupid and it's gonna get them all killed mm-hmm. yeah it's like it's like the t- it's ecstasy and oblivion don't look that far apart you know right. ultimately so right. you want to know my weed thought yes yeah. always oh how come yeah. how come we never hear from the whale well i he, mean it like i i'm not really serious of course but like i think of those scenes at the very end because like the whale does some like th- thought through shit yes. yes right like pulls the first boat under by like pull it like doing this corkscrew thing with all the lines and then the second boat like comes up under it and like head bonks it like all these deliberate we like weirdly deliberate acts this is this that's a super good point and i think that like my weed thoughts are awesome yeah, no, I mean, yeah, we thought, yes, you are. Your weed thoughts are awesome. Like, everyone should do have more weed thoughts, um, particularly with this novel. I think it really, yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> but like, because I think that there, I think there are two like almost diametrically opposed readings of what the whale is. Like, on the one hand, I think you could make a plausible argument, although what you just quoted there, Megan, or you know, we're pointing this to, I think would work against this specific reading, although there are other chapters that would work with it, is that what the whale is ultimately is an absence of meaning, right? And that mm-hmm. like that it, it is like a universe that fundamentally does not fucking care. And that like Ahab's megalomania is trying to like graft and impose this human order onto it to make it signify in a way that it just doesn't. 
But then, like, I think there's some, the other reading, which I think, like, right now I'm kind of more persuaded by, that, like, the whale is almost like a surplus of meaning, right? It's like, it's not that the universe oh, doesn't care. It's that the universe is deeply hostile in an intentional way to you as human in a way that you're never going to be able to overcome ultimately or kind of get your head around, right? It's a, like, that's yeah. what we see. It's like, yeah, I mean, it is it, in those moments. It's like, yeah, the whale's actions do seem deeply intentional and thought out, but in a way that, like, the human can't really comprehend what it's doing. You know what I mean? Like, totally. You can't even recognize it until it's actually happening. And that's like, there's a bunch of stuff that I think would lead you to believe. I think there's evidence for this. I don't think I'm just like making this shit up in the sense that like every, t- t- stop me if I got this wrong. Every other whale that they chase, they have to chase it and harpoon it a million times before they catch it. And then they have to like tow it back to the boat. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Moby Dick, they, t- they harpoon it and then it fucking turns around. Yeah. Yeah, the right. The the other whales seem like ultimate. Well, they seem like oblivious of humans until like they're yeah they're harpooned and then they become very afraid of humans. Moby Dick, it's like oh, all right, you, you motherfuckers want to dance? Let's go! Right, right. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck you all up like straight. Yeah. You know, we already know he's taking a leg and an arm and all kind of yeah. like like yeah act something that seems minded and that's way out there and like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Again, it's like with Melville, I think we should all be permitted our weirdest thoughts. And so that's why I sort of bring up like, that's my weird thought, which is like, why does the whale seem sort of minded? And is that important? I yeah. love that. Que- I think that's like a a perfect question. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's it's because it's because um, it's asking about what what is everyone what is your responsibility as an interpreter of the world yeah so it's like if you get a big huge white whale that um that nibbles off like i mean it bites off his leg it it bites off like it takes little tasty delicate bites of people like (laughs) that way yeah Um, i'm gonna leave you alive but like take this but delicate little bite yeah just to leave just to leave you as pissed as possible yeah and 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 I think that it's like if part of what Melville might be saying is that if you get a white whale and it nibbles your leg off and you don't go on a revenge quest and see meaning and 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 touch the face of God and the devil <laughs> in that, then you're a fucking dumbass with no imagination. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. That you can't if you think like that's just an ordinary whale that I could chase down like every other whale, and of course we see eight hundred billion other whales that we just need for their oh we just need them for their oil right we don't need it for our like vision quest yeah <laughs> every other whale does not it only does the, the the work of industry it doesn't do the work of like providing some kind of like either satisfaction or dissatisfaction or whatever and like and I'm just going to throw, here's my weed thought. I'm just going to throw this out there. And like, and I don't, and I don't want to lead too hard on it because I, I ultimately think that this is like kind of about ontology and like these kind of like, you know, philosophical questions more than it is. Uh, in some sense, like it, 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 this, speci- this specific axis of the novel, like materialism. But like, I, you know, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that I was like, oh, wait, there's like the Anthropocene in this. That's interesting. Like, there, you could do eco criticism with that. Um, and, and like, but I, I, I do think there's a way which, okay, there's this big human industry 
right? And it's like, and we're doing shit to like the planet. And like, there's a moment at which uh, it's going to fucking bite us in the ass. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and, and the, 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 the nature revolts. I get like, like in some ways, okay, humans have done this like extremely impressive and fucked up thing in building this like giant fucking globe spanning, like, you know, it, it like, you know, kind of killing industry. But it, at some point, like at some point, nature turns back on the human and, and then a very sort of intentional. Almost we see God, a concept of God in that like way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I do. Uh, that's that's how I tend to read it also, because we have the so it's not uh, incidental that we have a, th- a three day chase. Um, oh, right. right. Yeah. We're doing some we're doing some Christ things. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so there is something to, like there's enough to it. There there is a real uh there is a universe of signs and you can debate all day whether they're w- what they signify. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to imagine so many signs meaning nothing. But that may in fact be um what what Melville's kind of getting at is that that actually maybe the point is just the plentitude. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um yeah. Okay. So uh Katie, dear Katie, do you have a quiz for us? I do. I have a little game. We're going to play a little game. It's called Let's Hunt a Whale I'm Pissed At. Um <laughs> nope, that's not it. Um there is though a major takeaway, a lesson that for Moby Dick that's sort of indisputable. Um, and it's that the ocean is real big and it's full of scary sea creatures. <laughs> True. Mm-hmm. I'm legitimately more scared of the squid. I feel like I'm the only person who remembers that part of the book, but you know, I mean, there's there's too much soul in your squid head. Squid are fucked up. They've got a they're like thirty feet long and they've got a fucking beak. <laughs> I think they're more than 30 feet long, right? Like, they don't actually know how big the biggest squid is. No, that's the other thing. It's like this giant animal that we know it exists, but it's still, like, even in the 21st century, sea monster territory, you know? <laughs> let, let me lay this on you and just see how you like it. Um, there was a show on, I think, the Discovery Channel in uh, the late 90s about how the future might evolve, and uh, they uh, sort of, in their mind palace, created millions of years in the future a um a world where squid had come on land and were swinging from branch to branch uh <laughs> like like a like um you know fucking uh primate send me this then, immediately uh, yeah, yeah that sounds great okay but so so that's that's okay so we're all scared of the ocean right i mean mm-hmm. the squids they're big yeah. uh so so you'll be pleased to know that um so, so Megan, you're not alone in the view that other creatures in the sea are scary besides whales. Um, some people are even scared of sharks. Which what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, so I think that that what we have to do here is kind of uh, settle an age old question, which is um, sharks or whales. And the way we're going to do this is using two of the finest pieces of cinema ever created, which is um, the movie Deep Blue Sea mm-hmm. about a real real smart shark who mm. uh, takes revenge. And Moby Dick 2010. <laughs> a movie I have totally heard of. 
that's the one where Moby Dick can sort of fly a little that bit. That sounds awesome. I so it's saw... not a giant shark versus killer shark versus giant octopus. Sorry, now I have to look this up. Anyway, sorry. I, I, <laughs> I actually, I did. I saw. I saw Deep Blue Sea in the drive-in movie theater in Felton, Delaware, in 1998. I guess, uh, which we we love the drive-in movie theater because you could go there and smoke while you watch the movie. Because this was the 90s. Hell yeah! I I I I would have. A hundred percent done that in 1998, just for what it's worth. Um, I was 11. Uh, <laughs> that, we love you anyway. We all know that. We all know that there's a, a little age gap here. <laughs> that that Katie is a real millennial, and the rest of us are floating on the edge. Sadly, of Gen X, a little you know. baby dork. Um, <laughs> okay, so so what we need to find out today, what I need to know, just for us to continue our friendships here, is um, are you more of a deep blue sea guy or are you more of a Moby Dick guy? Okay, so okay. here's some questions. Number one, how would you kill your undersea foe? A, connect a wire to a battery. Don't overthink it. <laughs> and then get a harpoon with a little bomb on it. Mm. And the wire that you connected to the battery, well, that wire was on the harpoon. And you you detonate the harpoon bomb and you shoot it into the guy and you kill the creature. That is some Forever. Joe Pesci <laughs> shit right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a wire. Yeah, yeah. Goodfellas meets Goodfellas meets Rube Goldberg. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, it also brings the wrath of the Jacques Cousteau Society upon your head. Um, okay, so so here's option B. Uh, okay, you don't actually kill your undersea foe, um, but here's how you try. Um, you kind of get it into like a little island. Uh, with the, with your boat crew, and then you fire nukes at it. Mm, yeah, <laughs> dodges the nukes, but you nuke the island, and the island explodes. Okay. Oh man, so which one? Would you, which one did you do? I think I like the first one because of the sort of like you know the making do, like the inventiveness. Mm. Although I still I would say like let's do this inventiveness and not kill it, just because that's a much more cynical ending. So you'd nuke yeah. the island. No, I would do the first one. <laughs> I would nu- I mean I'm I'm an American and <laughs> we don't really believe that overkill's a thing. So True. like yeah, let, let's nu- let's nuke when in doubt use a nuclear bomb, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's good advice. Okay. So I love that the solution to my whale problem is nuclear bomb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. Like just as a sentence that's really lovely. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only logical solution. Of course. Um, okay, relatedly about your undersea foe, here's question two. Why are you pissed at this creature? A, it ate your leg, or B, it ate your pet bird? <laughs> Look, if I've learned anything from Moby Dick, it's that, like, the less leg, the more dick. Like, <laughs> as soon as Moby true. Dick takes his leg, it's like, now he's like, he grows infinitely stronger. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say less like because he, he took my leg. Okay. Mm. Okay. Wow. I like I like your thought process behind it too. Yeah. I'm freewheeling right now. This is what I get for living in my house and going nowhere for the last five weeks. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, definitely. Yeah, I, I'll agree with you on, on that one. I like your reasoning. Also, I'm not. I don't. I pet bird. I don't. Why would you have a pet bird? Just, just, just. I mean, and I like. I like Sheps, but I'm not going to be the parrot guy. I'm just not. Although I do like love Jimmy Buffett, and I'm kind of a parrot head. But you know, that's a different thing. Yes, my dogs shit Jimmy outside. Buffett. I don't want something that shits in my house. No, that's true. That that's absolutely true. Um, also, yeah, I don't know. The last time I had the cats at the vet's office, they were they were bird sitting this giant like white. I guess it's a cockatoo or it was it was a very large white <laughs> bird, and it jumped on the receptionist's back and started pecking her hair. So, <gasps> yeah, <laughs> my dogs definitely don't do that. If they if they did, you should take it to the vet, but but probably maybe don't go to the vet because there could be a giant white bird there <laughs> that would peck your hair. Also, maybe the back of my dog's head. <laughs> yeah, that'd be probably bad. Okay, so ready for question three? Yes. Okay, so 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 both your your revenge your revenge quest in any case is is deeply engaged in questions of religion. So, um, which of the following? Um, uh, pieces of dialogue uh, do you most resonates with you? A, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, because I carry a big stick and I'm the meanest motherfucker <laughs> in the valley. <laughs> Two sharks down, Lord. One demon fish to go. Can I get an amen? Mm-hmm. Perfect. And B, B, uh, did you hear the first thing that I read? Do you need me to read it again before you pick it? <laughs> I uh, that the Samuel L. Jackson line, right? Like, yeah, I'm gonna go with the first one because yeah. that you know, I, I, uh, the more I can talk, the better. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, they have one. I think there's only one one real option here. Yeah, I agree. Okay, okay, so we're we're going th- the good call on that one. Um. Okay, so so again, uh, sort of same concept here. Um, your vengeance quest is also it's very interested in science. Okay, with all what, what with the research and the technology and all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and which films take on science do you prefer? Again, selecting by dialogue. Okay, a Einstein's theory of relativity. Grab hold of a hot pan. Second can seem like an hour. Put your hands on a hot woman. An hour can seem like a second. It's all relative. And then yeah. another character responds, I spent four years at Caltech, and that's the best physics explanation I've ever heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love I'm. I, yeah, I love college. Hooray, yeah. college. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad I did it. Yeah, yeah. And B, again, is why would you need option B after I've given you option A sometimes I feel like some gratitude would be nice after I toil over a hot laptop pulling all these movie quotes for you absolutely no we, we do appreciate that uh yeah it's good it's good it, it's uh yeah uh I, I mean it like I feel like if 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 they if this character were explaining science to ICP we would not have had the magnet <laughs> song because they're like oh I get how magnet I see oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> right. <laughs> um I have I have Two more questions. One's the, the second one's a bonus question, but this is really gonna kind of tell me um, something about something about you. Okay, so so which of the following two stirring speeches moves you more? A. Nature can be lethal, but it doesn't hold a candle to man. 
Now you've seen how bad things can get and how quickly they can get that way. Well, they can get a whole lot worse. So we're not going to fight anymore. We're going to pull together and find a way to get out of here. Or B, congratulations, you nuked a school of squid. Oh, second one for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. We're not going to pull together to kill a giant fish. Fuck you. No, but I. But now I know what my nuke did that I dropped. So, you know. <laughs> True. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> squid bits every yeah. 30 30 squids thir- tiny bits of that <laughs> oh it's too, un- also, so much. too much squid. also i'm thinking the, the, the squid nuking thing that that's got that's going to produce uh like a got a godzilla uh 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 sequel right like there's only sure. there, there, there's only one outcome of this <laughs> yeah like yeah absolutely it's, it's mega shark versus giant octopus yes who do you think calamari gonna- gets made <laughs> I thought it was buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. I like calamari. Damn it! Now I'm good. All right. You know, for somebody who had his first date with his wife at the fucking Olive Garden, no wonder you like calamari. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Calamari's got nothing to do with all- Olive Garden. I bet they have calamari at the Olive Garden. They have it at every one of those. I'm sure they do too. But like, it's calamari's good. <laughs> I know. Good. I, I- it's it fine. Good. It's just that I associate it like they have it at places like that. You get a basket of deep fried. Um, no, thank you. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna get you to Philly sometime. I'm gonna take you to get a nice red gravy. All right. <laughs> like, Is that just marinara? But it's gravy. Maybe all right. <laughs> <laughs> it is gravy. All right. Sure. It's not what that <laughs> word means, but okay. Well, words don't. Well, you just read Moby Dick, and we're gonna talk about what words mean. <laughs> okay, that's like very fair. Um, here's your bonus. Qu- here's your final bonus question. Um, this question simply relates to Deep Blue Sea. Its theme song is done by Ladies Love Cool James, who is who's the star of the movie, and its memorable chorus goes: "Deepest bluest, my hat is like a shark's fin. Deepest bluest, my hat is like a shark's fin." And and I went on Genius Lyrics to find out <laughs> a little more about this song. And um, there's a quote that was really helpful to me. Um, out of context, this song and several of its details make little sense. It is only after viewing the film it was made for, <laughs> Deep Blue Sea, that you may unravel the song's true meaning. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's, a, that's, okay. that's, a good, that's, a, that's a good marketing okay. scheme on both ends, right? Yeah, like, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, so here's the question. Which of these uh, sets of lyrics is the coolest? A- Hungry jaws of death, I'll pause your breath. I cause you to sink down 40,000 leagues, bleeding to death with no arms and short sleeves. Okay, that's A. (laughs) Or or B. My world's deep blue. Killers gotta eat too. Looking for human flesh to rip my teeth through. Other fish but barracudas ain't equal to a half-human predator created by a needle. Oh, for sure, the second one. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like the one like the with the, the forty thousand leagues missing t-shirt arms or what. <laughs> I don't want to be the shark. Oh my god! I I fuck. I I just I just want to see what happens if I pick the first one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um. Well, they're they're both fantastic, and um. You may you may not have guessed it, but but the game is actually rigged to produce the answer deep blue sea. <laughs> yeah, okay. <All> right. <laughs> um, That's fine. 
So that is what you got. But but were this were this a I think that were this a real real fair contest, you both would have leaned toward uh, Moby Dick twenty ten, um, which is which is humiliating and i don't know if you'll want to cut that part out (laughs) no we can we can we can live in our shame yeah i mean i have a really strong like love i i you know i think i'm the only person who enjoyed cats so like my affection for (laughs) terrible movies is runs really deep (laughs) no like truly i think deep lucy is a great movie and i watch it right now all right indeed this has been better than dead you can find Tristan on Twitter at TJ Schweiger. You can find Katie on Twitter at Katie Crywo. You can find me on Twitter at Tusslersaurus. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at BetterEdPod and email us at BetterEdPodcast at gmail.com, especially if you have a story about how your perspective on this novel changed, meaning did you, like me, used to hate it and then did a full 180 and discover that it totally slaps. Uh, it's a real story. <laughs> Uh, Our intro music is Love Bronstein by the Redskins and used with their permission. Our logo was created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Rate, review, subscribe, and tell us that we're cute. And (laughs) next week, because you're all doing isolation to the degree that you can, unless you're a, quote, essential worker, and thus far are horny on Maine, we are doing 18th century porn, Fanny Hill, or... Memoirs of a Woman of Pleasure. We also have On the Road after that. It's going to be good slash terrible. So thanks, comrades.